Welcome to The Truth In His Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I have the privilege of having a conversation with the CEO of the Vinitoulis Institute for Local Journalism, the parent company of the local news startup, The Baltimore Banner. Please welcome Mtiaz Patel. Welcome to the podcast. Right. Thanks, Rob. Uh, glad to be here. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm glad to to have you on. I feel like I feel like I'm putting out evergreen and timely content. <laughs> so I want to start off with kind of that 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 introductory question, because I always go really top level, usually a cut and paste, usually something I've copied offline. Um, but, but I like to allow the the guests to really introduce themselves and really, you know, like, for instance, someone may ask me, what do you do? I may call myself something other than a podcaster. So I like to allow the uh, the guests to really describe what they do. And with that, how did you get to Baltimore ultimately? What was that career path and, and how did you get to Baltimore? So, you know, who are you and how did you like ultimately get to Baltimore? Yeah, you know, it's it's a long and windy road and I never <laughs> if you would have asked me 18 months ago, will you be in Baltimore? I'd be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I live in New Jersey. I have a family. I have a home in New Jersey. I, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Um, uh, it, it's been interesting. So, you know, the way I would kind of think of myself really uh, at the end of the day is a guy who's really passionate about news and what the impact news can have and really the business of news at the end of the day. How do you make the business side work? Because I've always been the business side guy and trying to figure out okay, the market is changing and it's been, that's been kind of the sum total of my career in news. The market's changing and how do you address that? And I'm the guy who, from a strategy perspective, has to think about, okay, what do we do? How do we make it work so that we can have great journalism and fund it? So that's, that's me. And that's uh, probably ha how I'd like to be remembered. Um, in, in terms of my journey, you know, I, I think of my career really as three pieces of this. I mean, um, I'm a little bit of a nomad in that my father was a serial entrepreneur and we moved all the time when he, he'd start a business. It'd be great for a few years, then it would fail. And he'd uh, say, okay, kids, we're packing up and we're moving somewhere else. So I lived in, I was born in London. From London, I went to uh, India when I was eight. And then six years later, moved back to a different part of England. And then I kind of continued that trend myself in that uh, went back to London, then went to Canada for a year and then moved to the States for uh, to go to business school and never left. I just fell in love with the States. Um, and I've been in kind of the Northeast, like New York. I went to school in New York and just stayed in that area until I moved here. Um, and really, my career has three parts. So one is like financial. Right out of school, I worked in banking. And I think I think the three components of my career really bring it all together. So one was financial, and it, uh, that's given me a deep appreciation of what do the numbers mean and how do you tell a story through numbers and really understand what's going on underneath a business truly from the numbers. That was one part. Then I moved into consulting, and really a lot of my consulting career was with consumer companies, retailers, and really thinking about uh, problem, two types of businesses, either someone looking at a growth idea and thinking about how do I grow this business or come up with a new concept, 
Or secondly, a business that's struggling, how do you turn it around? And that retail experience was really great because there's so many parallels about what's happening in retail and what's happening in news. Retailers have just been much quicker about dealing with it and addressing it than local news organizations. So there's a lot of kind of overlap there. And then third is I went to the Wall Street Journal, which is when I first worked in news and I fell in love with the news industry at that point. And my role there was, okay, uh, everything's going digital. How do you deal with this? So it was like coming up with a plan, the strategy and operationalizing it. So all of that comes together to this. But then why specifically Baltimore? There's a couple of reasons there. One is like, I, I was doing a lot of work the last few years in local news. I did work on a digital transformation project with the Philadelphia Inquirer, spent close to a year with them. Then I was working with Gannett, which is the largest owner of local news uh, operations in the country. They have like 240-ish uh, local news uh, publications and thinking about their business model. And, and I met Stuart uh, when he was thinking about, well, what do we do in Baltimore? How can we make sure we have a robust news organization? And, and the work I was doing showed me that there's a real, there's a couple of things going on. There's a real gap in what local news organizations are offering. And because of that, they will not succeed. Right. There are a significant number of things we can do to turn around the business. Uh, and so I had a bunch of ideas. Stuart, really, those ideas resonated with him. He wanted to fund it. And I really believed in how sincere he was about doing this right. for the right reasons, right? It's not about his ego, not about like, oh, here's something I'm going to be the white knight kind of thing. He really believes in how important this is. Yeah. And I told myself many years ago, I am never going to work with anyone I don't trust or respect. And he checked both those things for me. <laughs> um, and I'm like, this is such a great opportunity also to build an organization yeah. that is, has a great culture and really treats its people well, helps the people grow, and so that enables them to do the best work. And that's, uh, I had that opportunity, Stuart gave me that opportunity, which is how I ended up here. Thank you. Thank you for walking us through that. And uh, definitely a few gems that are there. Um, the ones that stuck out, it's like, I, I got to trust and respect people that I work with. And really, what is that, that route? Because I think a lot of times uh, we get get caught in this idea of let's chase the dollar, let's chase the prestige, the clout and so on. But really, it, it, it may conflict with what your values are. And ultimately, it doesn't make you happy. And I think journalism and, 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 and how we do things have changed a lot. So which brings me kind of to this this next question. I think the mode of how news is consumed has has changed over the years with more focus geared towards um, speed and, and versus getting the story right. And um, I just recall like just when someone had to make a retraction, you know, it was a thing. It was a huge thing. Right. Now people are just freewheeling, just we're getting it out there. And from your vantage point, do you do you see that shift or am I just off base in that um that kind of like assessment that is more focused on getting it out there first versus getting it right? Yeah, I, I think that's uh I th I think that is correct, uh, partially correct. Sure. Right. Um I think right now everyone wants to be the one breaking 
the story and getting all the clicks and all that kind of stuff. So yes, there is a level of um, speed is critical. We got to break the story first. But also what's happened is that as a lot of organizations have struggled, local news organizations, they initially started cutting, you know, investments they made, um, which is why they've been slow to adopt other forms of narrative and they've stuck to paper for so long. Um, they've also cut in the newsroom and the first positions to go are the editors. So there's no one there editing and questioning or not enough people doing it. So things slip through the cracks but the third thing is a lot of the news organizations are still paper bound right so they have a, a news hole that they need to fill and therefore they need stories to fill it yeah. and um so yeah do you take shortcuts potentially should you no so yeah there is there is a lot of that and uh, you know we have an advantage here, right? Yeah. We don't have paper. We will never have paper, right? And so I don't have to fill a number of um, pages. And we can really say, is think about, does this story add anything to the narrative? Is this really telling our readers, the community at large, something new or something different or adding? If all we're doing is rehashing someone else's story, are we really adding value? That's not what we're here right. for, right? And if we have two stories because there was nothing else, so be it in a day. Yeah, uh, I don't think we'll, it'll be that, but <laughs> if, if we did, it is what it is, right? Until the story is right. Yeah. And until we know we're adding, I'll give you an example. A couple of our reporters of, of a couple of months ago were doing a story on Mosby and they wrote a version they and they didn't like the version themselves mm -hmm. and they I think they did four iterations of the story and realized that we have nothing new to add right. to the story they themselves killed the story nobody did that for them they did it and that's how I want all of our reporters to be thinking yeah that's 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 great and even from from my perspective in, in doing this kind of arts and culture documentation chronicler, you know, I, when I, I see that there's so many different podcasts out there, so much different content out there, and you're looking for real estate, you're looking for folks, it's time to even engage in what you're doing. So if I'm interviewing someone or if I'm even looking at who should I talk to, it's like, am I adding any value? Am I doing anything different? What makes this worthwhile? What makes this worth my time? And even looking at it as, you know, kind of like the self editing thing of like, no, nah, I don't think I'm going to do that. Or I think I'm going to move that to this date. And maybe this guest will have something new that's worthwhile. And, you know, as, as you touched on, which I really liked of, it's likely not going to be two stories. But if it was, it's like, so be it. That's, that's just what it is. So as we've been kind of like, like circling around in a little bit, really, you know, from a high level point of view, or even if it's a, the copy and paste, give us the mission. What's the mission of the banner? And from, from your vantage point, what does success look like in the next five years? Because we have to map these and forecast these things out, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of words in the mission, right? And we actually spent a lot of time thinking about the mission literally on day one. So last July, there were only three of us, myself, 
Klaus, our chief marketing officer, and Katie, a uh, social media person. And three of us sat down and we wrote our mission. And then Stuart jumped in and he helped us kind of refine it. Um, and really, at the end of the day, there's two components to it. One is very community specific. It, it's, it's really about strengthening, uniting, and lifting mm -hmm. kind of Baltimore. And that means all the communities of Baltimore at the end of the day. In a nutshell, the way I, we talk about it is how can we make Baltimore a better place to be, to live? Um, so that's one part of it. And it, and it really, and, and I stress this, it's all communities. I don't care um, whether it's a subscriber or a non-subscriber. It doesn't matter if they're paying for our service or even reading it. Yeah. We are here for all communities. The second piece is kind of a broader mission, right? All, there's a lot of experimentation going on around the country with different models of news. Um, we're probably the largest uh, one doing this, and no one's doing it at the size we're doing it. Yeah. Um, but we are, in a way, an experiment. We are really trying to figure out and recreate and come up with a new way to create a sustainable news operation at scale. Right. Right. And that's the second part of our mission, which is to create a sustainable model that maybe other communities around the country can also emulate. Yes. And that way we can help kind of the national narrative on news and how um, the ecosystem for local news can improve. Yeah, and, and, and I think here there in Baltimore specifically, there's this this competition. Obviously, you have the sun around. Obviously, you have the, the new, um, I guess, the, the reemergence of the Baltimore beat. And, you know, it's, it's competitive in that, in that kind of front. And you, you see these different like overlaps and and so on. And uh, the banners getting that, that Yankees, you know, your New York connection, that killer, that killer's road coming together. So really talk about the like how the banner will fit into that landscape of being here. We're, we're a town that has a paper that's been around for forever. But how does something with the the model that's there as a, you know you touched on it being more of an experiment and we're, we're shifting into maybe this new way of considering and consuming and getting our news so yeah. talk about that a bit and how does it fit into the the, the local setup here uh yeah absolutely but i i believe i didn't completely answer your previous question oh, so let me let me hit that one up so what does success look like in five years i think there's two pieces to this one is the financial right yeah I want us to be self-supported. Uh, basically, we're making enough money to cover a large newsroom, a newsroom at scale of potentially 100 or more people. Uh, so that's one piece of it. The second, this, and there's three components. The second is like we are actually having a measurable impact yeah. in the community. If all we're doing is reporting and telling stories and making money, but having zero impact have made zero difference we have completely failed mm -hmm. that is not consistent with our mission so we got to have an impact and we're actually working right now to figure out how do we measure impact and how do we report on the impact that we're going to have the third piece related to that is really around community if in five years people in the community say oh that thing the banner they're kind of like 
this thing on the side that's just kind of reporting on what happens. I want them to say that the banner is a part of our community. The banner always sticks up for our community. We may not agree with the banner, but we know they come at it from the perspective of supporting the community and all communities. That's that is success to me. Great. Yeah. So on your other question, um, you know, it's it's it almost feels like Baltimore's having a moment right now. Uh-huh. Right? You've got Sun, <laughs> and thank God what they're doing is they are essentially replacing all the people that we've hired away from there. Right. So they're, 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 stay, they're trying to stay strong, which typically doesn't happen from an Alden owned publication. Yeah. Maybe we had a little bit of, you know, impact on that. <laughs> um, so competition is good because it's good for the community, yes. the readers, right? You got the beat coming up. You've already got like Fishbowl uh, and uh, the Brew and Maryland Matters as well at a state level. Um, you've got Axios coming into the market as well. So this is like, this is almost like, uh, I don't know, journalism heaven in a way <laughs> <laughs> with all this investment going in. And I think. <laughs> What we have to continue focusing on is why are we different? How are we serving our mission? And not focus so much on what others are doing. Now, one of the things I want to do, and we've started this outreach with other publications around the state, is how can we be an ecosystem that helps each other? Like, can I share some content from the banner with some of these other publications and vice versa, right? So that we're helping each other. And then you as a reader don't necessarily have to subscribe to everything, but you can get all the key content you want in one place. Um, And that way we're also helping each other. So we're still thinking through that. Uh, It's in really early formative stages. And that's how I think at the end of the day, again, it's not whether I am number one or the banner is the most successful. It is like, are we really serving the mission? Mm-hmm. That's the bottom line. It's big to hear that impact is a huge part of it. And, you know, as I'm doing more, th- more things and having more conversations about like impact and, you know, some people feel like it's a buzzword, but when people really determine and, and, and speak on how their impact as part of that North Star, that being community focused, being community driven and putting their money where their mouth is at and in having the newsroom that's in downtown Baltimore and, and things of that nature really show like there's an investment in the community and being a part of it, not, you know, speaking for the community and not necessarily being in it. Yeah, that's that's why I'm really excited about the some of the people we've hired. Well, I'm excited about all of them. <laughs> But I'm really excited about our creatives and residents program, right? It's a way for us to really get voices from different people in the community. Um, And like they're not traditional journalists. So it's like different voices, different thoughts. And we're going to this is going to be a program where uh, people come, some people will leave, new people will come. So we're going to constantly, and we're thinking about other ways to create that platform for other voices as well. It's, it's, it's so critical. It means I always say, you know, journalism is not the end in itself. It's a means to an end, mm-hmm. right? Through accountability journalism and the work we do, our job is to have an impact and make things better. 
That's it. Yeah. Right. It's once we start thinking it's all about just the journalism, I think we've lost the plot. And, and, I, and I think like just having folks that are coming in who don't have that traditional journalism path, it, 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 I think it, you're, what you're touching on is very accurate there that especially here in Baltimore, we're very DIY. We'll figure it out. But sometimes those borders and those boundaries are there that, that are really just roadblocks and they kind of get in the way. But having opportunities to have their voice heard because, you know, one of the things that's baked into this podcast is people don't feel like their voices are being heard and authentic storytelling is there. So having people who are from the city who may not fit that traditional, you know, newsman, here's my fedora with the, you know, the pencil in yeah. it kind of, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, it, it's just great to see like people, you know, and it's like, oh, they're able to share this. It's accessible. That's, that's the thing that really sticks out for me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So now, now I, I got a few few more questions before I get to those rapid fire ones that everyone just loves. People do cartwheels, backflips, the whole thing. Yeah, I won't be doing cartwheels. <laughs> so um, could you could you share and and, and, and I know you've kind of touched on this, but I, at least I like to ask it this way. Could you share what really motivates you and like all of the things that you're you're doing? And um, is it dreams? Is it spite? Or is it something that's more altruistic? I, I think there's a couple a couple of things, right? One is kind of external, external. One is a little bit internal, right? The external thing is really, I I really think at the end of the day, this mission is so critical. Local news is so critical. Some of the challenges we've seen as a country uh, with disinformation and things like that and polarization. I, I do believe a large part of it is because we don't have a strong enough local news uh, operation everywhere. I mean, and, and the reality is local news organizations, unfortunately, they first got hit by losing that classified income through Craigslist, right? Then they lost all the ad dollars digitally online through Google and Facebook. Uh, People started migrating away from print to digital, but they weren't great about making the investments and going digital. And they had all these investments in print, so they kind of, uh, the fallacy of sunk costs, right? They they wanted to keep keeping that print operation going. So, which resulted in their cutting costs uh, uh, through cutting people in the newsroom and across the organizations and putting out a worse product and filling that news hole with national and international news from a wire service. So they're not really serving mm -hmm. the needs yeah. of the community, right? So as a result, this whole issue of democracy at risk essentially comes up, right? So that is really important that we turn the tide, uh, at least here in Baltimore, yeah. and, try, and try to do that and really um, help create the strong ecosystem of local news. So, uh, uh, so from a mission perspective, very, very important to me. We we have a town hall every month here. Uh, it's the last Wednesday of every month. We start with our mission every single time because I want everyone to like live it, feel it, breathe it. Yep. It should consume everything they think about. So that's the kind of external. Uh, the internal thing is I'm a super competitive person. I'm <laughs> super driven. And uh, 
And really, when I set my mind on wanting to do something, and I tend to like picking things that are not so easy, <laughs> um, I, I, I want to succeed. Yeah. And success and ambition is that other part of me that uh, that drives me now. When you can bring the two things together, the mission and my personal <laughs> drive and what drives me, yeah. I, I think I think we've got a good a good thing here. Samantha from heaven right there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then that's the thing, right? That's why I like wake up every morning and I just love what I do. It's, it's really hard, right? It's really freaking uh, hard. Like if I had hair, I would have lost it by now. <laughs> Look at you talking uh, to. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? Um, but I get up every morning and I can't wait to get here and I'm just excited excited about what we're doing and how we're doing it and building this thing and uh, hopefully making a difference. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. So I got, I got three more. Uh, th this one, I, I always, I always, I always take some interest in here. It's like when you first shared it. So like, and maybe outside of the internal like meetings that were there discussing like mission and kind of the more foundational nascent stage sort of things when it came to the banner, when you like got the go, like we know that we're doing this, we know that we're making it happen. When did you first share like that idea of like how you saw things coming together and how did that conversation go? Who did you tell? Did they look at you like, I don't know, or how did, how did that first conversation outwardly go when you spoke about the ideas for the banner? Yeah, so we, we started working on the banner. The banner was really a plan B initially uh because we really thought the acquisition of the sun was going to go through it was means excruciatingly close means i'd already started working on uh, what would i do first 90 days when we took over uh the sun and we were going to make yeah we were going to have to do some things that were hard but we were going to make a significant investment sure and then when it started looking like well maybe something maybe it won't happen i started work Stuart asked me to start building a plan for a startup because the mission is so still so critical it wasn't about the sun it was about the mission mm -hmm. um so i started working on that and initially i shared it with you know Stuart, obviously and some of his close advisors but also ted venatoulis who were named after um, and Ted's been like, uh, this has been his passion thing project for a really, really long time. And he was so enthusiastic about this and wanting to do it. He, Ted Stewart and I then went on a road show around the city, um, meeting with different people like, you know, current uh, political leaders, former political leaders, people with influence, people who have worked in newsrooms, people who used to work at The Sun, um, just everyone we could talk to, and then also people around the country uh, talking about a plan. So we, one of the things we did is we also spoke with um, all the other not, uh, new startups around the country. So Daily Memphian in Memphis, Lookout Santa Cruz, Block Club Chicago, the city in New York, uh, Colorado Sun, uh, ProPublica. And we actually ended up 
on a little road trip going to meet a number of people <laughs> as well. So we talked a lot. So here's what we're thinking. What do you think is right? What do you think is wrong about this? Do you think we're crazy? And um, Mike Bloomberg wanted to meet with us here in Baltimore. Yeah. And he's like, you should do this. He's like, uh, yeah, you probably have, you know, 40% chance of success, but think about the impact you will have if you actually succeed. Right. So he's like, do it. Yeah, that's that's wonderful to hear. And yeah, I think sometimes you have to to take that leap and just like eh, 40 percent mm, depends on where you're looking at it. Like in yeah. baseball, that's a number that you never that no one ever hits 40 percent at a time. And uh, basketball, uh, but, you know, uh, you don't want to be 40 percent from the free throw line. You don't want to have that. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you know, just uh, building on that, you know, I got a this question from pretty much everyone I interview, and I interview every single person who joins the banner, um, because I think it's so important that we have great talent and people who really believe in the mission. That's why I, I take the time to meet as many people as I can. Well, everyone. Um, and they all ask me, well, what's the likelihood of success? Uh, and I always say, well, let, let's think of it this. And, and they frame it more like, are we going to be around in three years or five years? Mm -hmm. and, I, and I say, look, the probability of us being around is close to 100% in three years, right? I know how much funding I've got. I know exactly what we're going to do for the next two to three years. After three years, things, you know, things change. Um, right. And maybe some of our ideas won't work. Maybe others will. We'll have to come up with other ideas because some of our hypotheses were wrong. Yeah. So I say year four, year five, uh, I think it's closer to 80 yeah. percent survival rate. But I think if we get through year five and six, I think we're going to be around. I want us and we're building this foundation so that this thing's around forever. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's so many different things and you can have you can have, you know, unknowns in all of these different things um, that are there. But having a methodology of how you want to go about things, forecasting a strategy, which is obviously big for you, you know, it's there and being able to be honest with people as they come in, you know, like those those interviews are always weirdly one sided. But when you're like, look, you know, this is these are the numbers. This is what I forecasted. This is what I'm seeing happening. That's, you know, that's the truth that you want. That's the type of, you know, background that you want. So uh, this is actually the, the last real question, because I think I got an answer already for the for the other one. Uh, so tell me about Baltimore. That's that's the thing I, I, you know, I always like to hear that from someone who has been in, um, has lived in multiple places internationally um, and has come here and is covering like news and putting news out there. Uh, so tell me about Baltimore and isn't there an experience that you would say that really sums up this place that, that you've had? So I will say Baltimore is not what people think it is. And here's what I mean by that. So I didn't know Baltimore well. I came here, ooh, I don't know. 10 years ago, when I was at the Wall Street Journal, maybe 12 years ago now, we had a sales meeting in uh, Baltimore. The guy who ran the sales team actually is from Baltimore. So he did a sales meeting in Baltimore. And I came to the inner harbor. I'm like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> um, and I've never expected this. But my perception of Baltimore is 
um, I didn't know what to think of Baltimore before I came here. It wasn't kind of on my list of places to come. And when I got here and I started like spending time, I mean, it's my first experience, and I know this is not Baltimore, right? It's a piece of Baltimore. Yeah. There's the Inner Harbor, Harbor East, Fells Point, Canton, places like that. I'm like, wow, this is actually really <laughs> nice. It's so vibrant. It's not what I thought it was at all. And, um, and I'm like, wow, there's got to be a narrative here that people don't know. I think yeah. Baltimore has bad PR. What we need to do is help change the narrative of Baltimore and show people how great the city is. And there's so many different neighborhoods and so many different things going on in different neighborhoods. So like, you know, look at Mount Vernon, you go to Hamden, there's all this stuff going on. I'm like a foodie and <laughs> self-confessed foodie and I eat way too much. And, and I love going to the different restaurants. That's my way of experiencing neighborhoods. Yeah. But I then had um, Justin Fenton take me on a trip to West Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, and show me kind of that perspective. And he said, I've never he heard you so quiet ever. <laughs> it, it's it's frankly shocking. And it shows how hard this is going to be to have an impact. But it's so important that we do have a positive impact. So it brought it all to life. So it's like there's, there's two Baltimores, essentially. Yeah. Um, Everyone's perception is one Baltimore, but we need to, how do we unite the two Baltimores and how do we change the PR of Baltimore and show it in for all the good stuff it has as well. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think at uh, different endpoints where our, our goals are very similar. <laughs> um, so so that's that, I think, for the, the real questions. Um, but now, since we've been talking, I've added a few more to these rapid fire questions, but I, I got some for you. So okay. I hope you're ready. Uh, and, and the way that these go, whatever pops in your head, like first thing, don't, don't overthink it. You know, don't, you know, be over, over competitive about us. Like, no, I'm going to get this right. All right. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite drink? It is tequila. Nice. Uh, do you have any superstitions or art rituals related to your work? If so, what's one? No superstitions whatsoever. Okay. I do have one when it comes to sport, but. <laughs> I would love to know that. Uh... <laughs> so I am a huge, everyone here knows I'm a huge fan of Liverpool Football Club and the English Premier League. Yeah. I have been since I was a teenager. And a few years ago, my wife bought me a Liverpool flag and I, I put it outside my house and it's there. And in the winds, it's completely tattered. But the season they're having this year, I refuse to take it down. <laughs> like the season ends in two weeks, it, it'll come down then and we will get a new flag. I'm not hot. <laughs> I, I, I had one that was ridiculous. I have like, um, a bunch of like Orioles and, and Ravens like uh, hats and things of that nature. And I think the last Super Bowl they they won back in uh, 2012, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. It was like the blackout and all of the stuff during halftime. I grabbed every hat that I owned. I'm talking about knit caps, uh, fitted caps, uh -huh. the whole thing. I wore all of them for the second half. I was like, we need to come back, guys. We need to not lose this game. I was like, I refuse. And there's a picture of me that I'm wearing probably eight hats. It's ridiculous. And that was me being in my most superstitious. 
Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, when it comes to sports, we all get a little crazy. Yes. <laughs> Fanatic. That's the, that's the word, right? Yeah. Um, you, you've lived multiple places. Favorite travel destination? Um, I, I would say Asia. Okay. Uh, and generally Asia. I just like the culture and all the different experiences. Dope. Um, if you could be any animal, and this is, I know it's weird, what would it be? If I could be any animal, a horse. Okay. Okay. That's a, that's a certain class level there. What have you like a lot, a lot of prancing around, a lot of hopping. I like it. Yeah. You know, that's such elegant, beautiful, uh, beasts. Uh, it would have been funny if I, I was, I was going to answer and say, not a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Cats are dicks. <laughs> uh, okay. The last two. Uh, if your life was a story, what would it be titled? What would it be? That might be the it one that stumps you. <laughs> yeah, it might be. It might be the uh, the crazy Indian who tried to create a new model for news. It's a long title. <laughs> it is a long title. That's why I'm not the writer. I'm the business guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great title. I like it. Yeah. Um, the last one I have for you, um, you know, um, you know, journalism, you know, and being around words all the time. What? Is a word that you absolutely hate that you're like, can we not have that in this? Can we get that out of there? Can we come up with a synonym, please? Uh, I'll answer it a little differently. Okay. Um, if anyone calls us a newspaper, I snap right back and correct them. Because that is a very channel specific description. Mm. And I don't want us to be channel specific. We're a news content organization. I like it. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Get that clear branding folks. A boring answer, but uh, <laughs> someone just called us a newspaper about an hour ago. So it's like top of mind. No, that's no, it, it has it has to be right or what have you like, um, when because sometimes people use terms that are deprecated. And I think the term newspaper is becoming something that's more and more deprecated every day. Yeah. So that's all of the questions that I have. Um, but one, I want to thank you for coming on to this podcast and being a part of it. And two, I want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks, just just plug. It's time to plug, plug away, you know, share anything that you felt like we didn't really cover and the social media, all of that good stuff, website, all of that stuff. Yeah. So we, we haven't uh, we haven't launched officially yet. We're very close to launching uh, and uh, our billboards are going up very soon. Or oh, by the time this goes out, they may be up. Um, so you'll be seeing us around town, but we do have a newsletter uh, where we're publishing stories. There's some really powerful stories that we're putting out there. Sign up for us. Um, newsletter, just go to the baltimorebanner.com. It's a free newsletter. Um, and the more people we can have and hear from, I think the better our stories will get. It's great to hear. Well, there you have it. For the CEO of the Venetulis Institute for Local Journalism, parent company of the local news startup, the Baltimore Banner, MTI's Patel, I'm Rob Lee, saying that there is community, art, journalism, writing, reporting in and around Baltimore, you've just got to look for it.